Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the worship services of Grace Church at Franklin here at 4052 Arno Road in Franklin, Tennessee. We want to welcome all of you who are worshiping here with us today, and we want to welcome all of you who may be watching by the Internet. We are on uh, YouTube, Ustream, and Sermon Audio Video, and we invite you to watch and uh, communicate with us uh, about the reception and so on. Uh, we read in the Word of God, Psalm 100, that we should make a joyful noise unto the Lord and serve the Lord with gladness and come before his presence with singing. And that is the way we like to begin our worship services. Brother Joshua Waltz is going to come and lead us as we sing hymns of praise to the Lord. stand up with us. 292, surely goodness and mercy. A pilgrim was I and a wandering. In the cold night of sin I did roam. When Jesus, the kind shepherd, days, all the days of my life. 
Y'all can be seated. We'll have some announcements. Good morning. How are you all doing today? Yeah, it sounds like it. How are you all doing today? All right. That's a little better. <laughs> Glad to have you all at the services of Grace Church at Franklin today and say a special welcome to any first-time visitors that we have here with us and uh, also to in, uh, for those who are joining us by the Internet. We're glad to have you. We want to mention a few prayer requests now. We certainly want to continue to pray for Elder Turner's mom. She is doing very well and, and still independent, so we give praise to the Lord for that and just continue to look out for her. We also want to welcome back Tom and Linda Estes. They've been traveling this past week, and we're thankful for traveling mercies to them and that they're here today. Continue to remember Sue. Sue, are you feeling good today? I'm feeling, great, thank you. feeling great today. That's awesome. So let's continue to remember Sue before the Lord. Continue to remember Marie Dalton. I, I don't see Marie here again today, so let's continue to lift her up. Continue to remember Gladys Alquist and her son, who is recovering from a recent stroke. Also for Linda's sister, uh, foster sister Barbara, uh, for Carolyn Batt, <clears throat> for Betty Hethcock, <clears throat> and we want to remember Paul Osborne again as he continues to minister to his wife who is recovering from a stroke. Continue to lift up Tabitha and uh, I went blank. Calvin and Judy LaPetri, let's remember them before the Lord, <clears throat> and also for Howie Smith as he serves in the military. Did you by chance hear anything from Gary George? Okay. So Gary George will get his biopsy report on Tuesday, so let's remember him before the Lord. Also remind you that there will be a representative from the Gideons here to speak with us for a short time next week. And also please mark your calendars for June 4th, that's a Saturday, for an annual church cleanup day. And we encourage all of you who can participate. We usually start at 8 and then are done by 12, depending on how many people show up. So let's uh, come out and, and help care for the building that the Lord's been so pleased to bless us with. As a reminder, if you want to support uh, the ministry of Grace Church, you can do that by placing your tithe or offering in the box that's located in the foyer on the round table. And we also want to continue to remember the Mordecai family in the loss of Steve's father uh, recently. So let's continue to lift them up. Is there any more prayer requests? Larry? My sister Delia asked for prayer for her and her niece. Larry's sister Delia asked prayer for her and her niece or daughter. Okay. For her and her daughter. Yes, ma'am, Miss Beth. Did you say the Roberts? Yes. Okay, so please remember the Roberts as they're traveling likely for about a month. Anything else? All right, as the Lord calls these to your mind this week, please lift them up before Him. Thank you. Josh? Sunshine, blessed sunshine, when the peaceful, happy moment. 
Stand number 500 when the roll is called up yonder. <laughs> I heard an oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Ooh, when will that be? Goodness. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more, and the morning breaks eternal, bright and fair. When the saved on earth shall gather over on the other shore, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, 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 I'll be there. Bright and cloudless morning when the dead in Christ shall rise and the glory of his resurrection share. When his chosen ones shall gather to their home beyond the skies and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Yonder I'll be there 
Let's see, what time is it, Brother Bill? Do we have some more time? Maybe one more hymn? Let's do one more, 337. How many northerners do we have here that don't know what yonder means? Anybody? A lot of people moving in, so we might as well ask the question. <laughs> I guess you figured it out. It means over there. <laughs> Teach me thy way, O Lord. Teach me thy way. Thy guiding grace afford. Teach me thy decide whether or not he's going to let y'all sit now or let you stand. So have a great week. Well, I hate to have you stand up for a long time, but we're going to do a song that I think it'd be difficult to sing sitting down. So we're going to let you remain standing. If you get tired, then just have a seat. We won't think any less of you. This is I'm so glad Jesus lifted me. Okay. I'm so glad Jesus lifted me. I'm so glad Jesus lifted me. I'm so glad Jesus lifted me. Let's sing that verse again. I don't hear anybody singing. I'm so glad Jesus lifted me. I'm so glad Jesus lifted me. I'm so glad that Jesus lifted me, singing glory, hallelujah, Jesus lifted me when I was in trouble, when I was in trouble, Jesus lifted me, when I was in trouble, Jesus lifted me, singing glory, hallelujah, Jesus lifted me. I was lost in sin, but Jesus lifted me. 
I was lost in sin, but Jesus lifted me. I was lost in sin, but Jesus lifted me. Singing glory, hallelujah, Jesus lifted me. I'm so glad Jesus lifted me. I'm so glad Jesus lifted me. I'm so glad that Jesus lifted me. Singing glory, hallelujah, Jesus lifted me. Singing glory, hallelujah, Jesus lifted me. Singing glory, hallelujah, Jesus lifted me. All right, if you don't, you can be seated. I'd like to ask you to open your hymnals. And let's, uh, no, we're going to do number one in the hymnal, Oh, Worship the King. Open your hymnals, I said. Isn't that right? I don't think that other song. Number one, you should have a hymnal there in front of you somewhere. Joshua and Reagan were kind enough to order us some more hymnals. Let us know if we don't have enough hymnals, and we'll order some more. Oh, Worship the King, all glorious above. Oh, worship the King, all glorious above, and grandfully sing His power and His love. Our shield and defender, the ancient of days, of vision and splendor, and girded with praise. Of his might, O oh, sing of his grace, whose robe is the light, whose canopy space is chariots of wrath, the deep thunder clouds form, and dark is his path on the wings of the storm. Thy bountiful care, what tongue can recite? It breathes in the air, it shines in the light. It streams from the hills, it descends to the plain, and sweetly distills in the Children of dust and feeble as frail, indeed do we trust, nor find thee to fail. How tender, how firm to the end, our Maker. Well, I'm sorry, but they just can't write hymns like that anymore. Just can't. And you know why? Because their view of the God of Scripture has changed. Believe me, people write about whether you buy novels. I'm not a novel reader. I don't read fiction. I like history, and I like books that uh, uh, autobiographies and biographies and all that. But uh, these hymns that exalt the God of Scripture, 
uh, those are things of the past. There, there are a couple of newer hymns that I like, but not many of them. And we've come here to worship the King, and that's what we're going to do. Would you stand together? And now, Sue, we'll play. going to ascend up higher. We're going to ask the Lord's blessings on our study today. Father, I stretch my hand to thee. No I know if I withdraw myself from thee, whither shall I go? If you'll open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 40, and while you're doing so, let me welcome all of you who are worshiping here with us and extend an invitation to any who may be visiting the Nashville, Tennessee area to come out and worship with us here at Grace Church at Franklin. We are a church that stands unapologetically on the Word of God. I'm not interested in checking and chasing rabbits, uh, political rabbits, social rabbits, or any other kind of rabbit. When I read in the scripture, I never read that Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, was ever involved in any political rallies. He was never involved in any of those common movements, but he was going about doing his Father's will. And my calling is to teach the Word of God, and that's what I intend to do as long as the Lord shall give me breath to do so. Then I want to say to all of you who are watching us by YouTube, Ustream, or Sermon Audio Video, we appreciate you so very much, and we appreciate your, your letters, we appreciate your gifts. We don't solicit gifts, we never have at Grace Church at Franklin. The Lord is always abundantly provided, and He does that through mostly through the people who worship here, but increasingly so also from those who watch by the internet. Genesis chapter 40, beginning in verse 1. It came to pass after these things that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their lord the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was wroth against two of his officers, against the chief of the butlers and against the chief of the bakers. And he put them in ward in the house of the captain of the guard into the prison, the place where Joseph was bound. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them, and they continued a season in ward. May the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word, and let God's people say, Praise the Lord. And you may be seated. 
Last week, we took a break from our study of Joseph to address Mother's Day. But in our last study from Genesis, we spent a, quite a bit of time in Hebrews chapter 11. We found out that the bottom line for Joseph was faith, that Joseph survived and he thrived by faith. And according to Hebrews chapter 11, faith is what all of the children of God have in common. You might have a bumbling faith, a stumbling faith, a hem-haw faith. You might feel that you have a weak faith, but it is not how much faith you have. It is the kind of faith you have. And if the object of your faith is Jesus Christ alone, Jesus Christ and Him crucified alone, you have a promise from God's Word, irrespective of your personal life, that you will be saved. You will be saved. We often say that Jesus died for our past sins, but the Scriptures teach that He died for all of our sins. That would include past, present, and future. And Jesus paid for the sins of his people, most of them, before they were born. The scripture tells us that all of the redeemed of God are marked by faith. They all believe God. We are told that one other characteristic that marks them is this. They don't plan on staying here. They're looking for a city which has foundations, whose builder and whose maker is God. Joseph didn't plan on staying in Egypt. When he died, he said, God's going to deliver us from this place. So he said, I want you to embalm me and put me in a coffin and take my body with you when you leave this place. That's the way we are. We're not planning on staying here. We weren't built to stay here. We're going to leave here. We're looking for a city whose foundation is the Lord Jesus Christ. We read also that people, children of faith, live as strangers and pilgrims here. We read further that their faith was grounded upon the promises of God. And we learned from that that though they had troubles and trials, through faith they had hope. You know how they had hope through faith? Because they knew there was a purpose for everything that befell them. By faith, they were enabled to believe God and wait patiently for Him to work out His purpose for them. And believing God, they pleased God. And pleasing God, they obtained a good report. And together with them, we and all other believers now and in the future will be made perfect and we will find ourselves with our Lord Jesus Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. So the bottom line is the victory over all troubles and trials, over life, over death, is faith, through faith. Whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith, 1 John 5 and verse 4. So when we get to Genesis 40 here, we find ourselves uh, with Joseph, and he's been thrown in prison. And it's not a common prison, but it's the king's prison. You notice chapter 39 and verse 20 says that he was thrown in a special 
prison, a prison where the king's prisoners were. And after some time, he has some company. Two very important men who had served the Pharaoh are thrown into his particular section of the prison. And one of them is called a butler. He is, in fact, a cupbearer. And a cupbearer is one who personally serves the Pharaoh's drinks to it. The other one is called a baker. Now, you'll notice in verse 2, at least in the King James Version, it says that both of these men are chiefs. It says, verse 1, that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And it says, and Pharaoh was wroth against the, the two of his officers, against the chief of the butlers, verse 2, and against the chief of the bakers. The butler was not only a cup bearer, but he was an overseer. He was an overseer of the, of the royal vineyards and the king's cellars. Most probably, he had hundreds of workers under him. The baker was the cook. He was the superintendent of everything that had to do with the preparation and the provision of the meals and the banquets for the king, the pharaoh. He personally selected the food and oversaw their preparation for the pharaoh. Now, we're not told what these men did, but we're only told in verse 1 that they had offended the pharaoh, and we're told in verse 2 that he was angry with them, and we're told in verse 3 that they had been thrown in prison until their case could be investigated. Now, please notice from verses 3 and 4 where they were put in ward. It says, he put them in the ward in the house of the captain of the guard into the prison, the place where Joseph was bound. You know, I believe in things happening accidentally on purpose. I believe that when we look at them, we think they're accidents. We think, well, this could have happened, could not have happened. But I don't believe that anything happens accidentally from the divine perspective. Everything is ordered by the Lord for the good of his children and even for the good of unbelievers. He says that they put in charge, that Joseph is put in charge of these two men. Now notice, he is put in the house of the captain of the guard. Now that is a section of the prison that's joined to Potiphar's house. And the captain of the guard is Potiphar himself. Joseph is put in charge by Potiphar of these two men. You see, by this time, Potiphar is convinced of the innocency of Joseph. But of course, because he's put him in prison because of his wife and because of the servants, he has to keep him in prison. And he has to stay there until his case comes up. Then notice in verse 4, it says they continued a season in the ward. We don't know how long they're going to, they have been there, but we do know this. Notice verse 20. Go down to verse 20 of, of chapter 40. It says, it came to pass the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday. 
Now what's happening is they're going to be called out to give an account on Pharaoh's birthday. So probably his previous birthday was when they were put in the prison, something that they did on his, maybe they didn't bring out enough candles for him. I don't know what they did or what they didn't do, but probably they were put there on his previous birthday, been there probably a year. Now we come to these dreams. You know, I told my wife the other day, I said, after thousands of years, it looks like to me that we would all know these stories in the Bible by heart, but we still go over them. And here we deal with these two dreams that the butler and the baker had. If you notice verse 5, it says they dreamed a dream. Now they both dreamed a dream and they both had a dream on the same night. I don't know if both of them ate some bad hamburgers that night. I don't know what happened with some onions in it. Gave them upset stomach. I don't know. But they dreamed and both of them dreamed on the same night. And the next morning, verse 6, the next morning, Joseph noticed that something was wrong and he inquired about it. They had a different look on their face. And so now we have, first of all, the butler's dream, verses 9 through 15. First he tells his dream in verses 9 through 11. He said, in my dream I saw a vine, and there were three branches, and it budded and it blossomed, and it, it bore ripe grapes, and uh, then I saw Pharaoh's cup, and I began giving the grape juice to Pharaoh as I had done before. Verse 11, Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. Now, we have the interpretation in verses 12 and 13. Joseph is going to tell them, what these dreams mean. Joseph said, here's the interpretation of it. The three branches represent three days. Verse 13, in three days, Pharaoh is going to call for you to hear your case, and he's going to restore you unto your place, and you're going to deliver Pharaoh's cup into his hand just like you've always done when you were his butler. So things are going to go well for you. You know, it's always easy to tell good news to people. But it's tough to be truthful, to be honest to God's word, even about the bad news. So that was the good news. So now the baker saw, well, this is something. So you notice verses 16 and 17. The chief, ba uh, the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good. Now, I want you to notice, before we deal with the baker's dream, we have this. We have the dream itself in verses 9 through 11, and then we have the interpretation in verses 12 and 13, and then Joseph made a simple request of this fellow. A simple request. Look at verse 14. Joseph said to this man, when you are restored to your former position, Think on me, that is, remember me, when it's well with you, when everything's going good now and you're restored. Remember me, show kindness, I pray thee, unto me, and make mention of me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of this house. For I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews, 
And here also, in other words, I was, first of all, there was a wrong done to me in the land of the Hebrews. I was stolen away. And then I'm in prison for nothing that I have done wrong. Nothing that that should have imprisoned me about. So that was his, that was his request. So just keep that in mind. We're going to deal with that in just a moment here. Then the baker has his dream in verses 16 through 19. And the baker says, well, I see that that interpretation is good. So let me tell you, I had a dream too. And I had three white baskets on my head. And in the uppermost basket, I don't know if they were stacked on top of each other, but the, 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 the highest basket and that basket was all manner of baked foods for the Pharaoh. And the birds ate them out of the basket on my head. Now this would be tough because Joseph, as I'm going to point out to you, he is a faithful messenger from God. And it doesn't make any difference if it's good news or bad news. He's going to tell you the truth. So Joseph answered and said, here's the interpretation. The three baskets are three days. In three days, Pharaoh's going to call for you, but he's going to take your head off from you. And it's going to hang you on a tree, and the birds are going to eat your flesh from off of you. Now that would be a tough message to deliver. But notice these things about Joseph's and Joseph's interpretation and Joseph's relationship with the Lord. Number one, he gives all the glory to the Lord. Look at verse 8. Verse 8. They said, we've dreamed a dream and there's no interpreter of it. And Joseph said, do not interpretations belong to God? He gives all the glory. He says, I'm, I'm not an interpreter, but God knows all things. And he can interpret the dream if he wants to, if he's pleased to do so. Secondly, you notice, as I've already mentioned, that Joseph spoke all the truth exactly as the Lord showed him. He didn't add anything. He didn't take anything away from either dream, whether the interpretation and the application of it was good or bad. And then Joseph made that request. He made that request of the baker He said, remember me. He said three things. First, remember me. Number two, show me kindness. And number three, mention me to the Pharaoh. My my friends, we should remember kindness is shown to us. Uh, People who write to us uh, here at Grace Church at Franklin, I try to write every one of them back. It takes some time for me uh, because I want to write something that's from my heart and not just write something. And so I try to write them all back as well as I can. We should remember kindness is shown to us. Joseph says, please remember me when you get out of here. Joseph remembered this guy. He helped him out. He interpreted his dream. He was kind to him when he didn't have to be, but he did all he could to help him. Joseph was over him in position in the prison, but he gave him the interpretation. He said, I'll do what I can to help you. He did everything he could for him. And I I began thinking, you know, those are the same three things that I asked the Lord for myself. I asked the Lord to remember me. I asked the Lord to be kind to me. And I asked the Lord to mention me to the Father up in heaven. And the thing about our Lord Jesus Christ is he, he is faithful And he will remember us, all who trust in him. 
and he will show kindness. The word kindness is the Hebrew word kesed, which means grace. And he will mention us to the Father. Now, what we have here in Joseph is a working, a witnessing, and a waiting. This is what Joseph is doing. He is, first of all, he is waiting. He, is, he, he knows that the Lord is working for him. So let me make that the first point. The Lord was working for Joseph, and the Lord was working in Joseph. If you look back to verse 4, the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them, and they continued a season in war. That is, the captain of the guard put Joseph in charge of these two men. Now, we're reading about it after the fact, but we now know that it was God who had Pharaoh put those two men in prison. And it was God who had them placed where they were with Joseph in prison. And it was God who gave Joseph the interpretation of those dreams. The Lord was working toward Joseph's relief. And the message for all of us here is don't despair and don't quit and don't lose hope. Remember, when you belong to the Lord, the smallest circumstances in your life have meaning and significance. Nothing is accidental. Observe that these men were in this prison at this time, in this particular ward, by the divine sovereign providence of God. Certainly it was the Lord who gave them these dreams. And then secondly, he was working in Joseph. And here's a valuable lesson for us, especially those of us who believe in the sovereign grace of God. Though the Lord was working on Joseph's behalf, Joseph was working as though the Lord was not working. We ought to be trusting the Lord doing all that we can, even though we know that nothing we do will have any significance toward our salvation, but we ought to be doing all we can. That includes praying, that includes giving, that includes witnessing, it includes being faithful. We ought to be doing all of that. Even though we know that has nothing to do with our salvation, we ought to be working as though the Lord is not working. In other words, the sovereignty of God is no excuse for not doing all that we can do and all that we should do. And what you're going to find when you do that, just like Joseph found, the Lord made what Joseph did harmonize with his own sovereign will, and it all worked out for Joseph's good and for the Lord's glory. So while Joseph was in a prison cell, the Lord was preparing him to rule Egypt. And let me say this to all of you, and I've had to learn this myself. If we aren't willing to humble ourselves and do the little menial task, do the things that are small, why should we think the Lord will give us something big to do? If we can't be faithful in the little things, 
There are a lot of young people today, and they're, they're, they're waiting on a $100,000 a year job. And you know what I say? I say, you ought to get a job at McDonald's, get a job at Lowe's, get a job at wherever you got to get a job, Walmart, or anything else. And you know what? The Lord can promote you up through the ranks. But if you're not willing to humble yourself, if you're not willing to put your hand to the plow when there's nothing much involved in it, why should he advance you? What we do is sit over in the corner and say, now, Lord, give me this and give me that and give me that, and then I'll be faithful with it. And he says, no, you're not being faithful with the opportunities you have. You're waiting on me to drop some big opportunity in your lap, and I'm not going to drop one in your lap until you are willing to humble yourself to the small task and to the small things. That's something we have to learn. I've had to learn that. I'm still learning that. But through all of these tough experiences of Joseph, the Lord is digging a deep foundation. You know, they tell me that the bigger the building is, the deeper the foundation has to be. And so the Lord is digging a deep, deep, deep foundation for Joseph because he's going to make him the governor of Egypt. Trial and trouble and tribulation develops patience. And I'll tell you this, even though I do a lot of it, complaining never makes things any better. Trusting the Lord is what we need to learn to do. So he's working, and the Lord is working. Then he's witnessing, and he's waiting. I tell all of you, and I've already said this a couple of times this morning, learn to look for the hand of God in every event. Do what you do the best you can and wait on the Lord for the circumstances. Be faithful regardless of the outcome or the circumstances. The fact that Joseph was in prison, the fact that he was in prison because of slander and lies, made no difference whatsoever in his faithfulness to the Lord or his loyalty to the duty assigned him. He did the best he could do in every single situation. And as we've seen, the outstanding feature of Joseph's life that we're still learning about today was faithful loyalty to the Lord under all circumstances. Look at his humility. He made friends with two jailbirds. He made friends with two jailbirds. You know, the Lord Jesus taught his disciples, be faithful in little things, and the Lord will make you rule over big and important things. I've noticed in Franklin here of late a kind of a stuffiness, a stuffiness about people. People walking with their nose stuck up in the air, look like they don't want to talk, look like they, I deliberately smile at folks like that. I try to get a response out of them. And I'm not really a conversationalist, as my wife will tell you. I'm not, I don't talk very much. But uh, when I meet people here in Franklin now today, I deliberately try to get a smile out of them, get a response out of them. And many of them really want somebody to speak to them, but they're not going to be the first to speak. The Scripture says to have friends, one must show himself friendly. Isn't that right? And so we need to, as Christians, we need to reach out to people. I had a lady write me from New Jersey, and uh, she said that uh, 
I don't keep up with all these programs, but I think there's a, pro a program on television called Flip or Flop. And she said that the lady that was the star of that show was moving to Franklin. <laughs> and she said, I'm going to pray that she'll come out to Grace Church. I said, well, that'll be fine. We'd love to have her if she comes out to Grace Church. If she comes out here to Grace Church, we're going to try to treat her just like we do anybody else. We ought to greet people with a friendly gesture and a smile and let them know that we're happy to have them. Now, let me say a word to you this morning. This is an aside word, I guess, about witnessing. And I'm taking this directly from what Joseph did. I would suggest to you that, number one, you develop a trust and a consistent testimony with kindness. See, Joseph was over these two prisoners, but he didn't lord it over them. He was their boss. He was the guy in charge, but he didn't do that. He reached out to them. He developed a trust with them and a consistent testimony with them. Number two, pay attention. Look, look what Joseph did. In verse 6, he came in in the morning, he looked on them, and he, sa he saw that the, they were sad. He saw that their countenance had changed. He was paying attention. He, no he noticed that something was wrong or something was different about them. Pay attention to people. Study people. Number three, engage in conversation. He asked him a question. Verse 7, he said, uh, what, what's going on? Why are you looking so sad today? He paid attention. He engaged them in conversation. Then he showed interest in them. How did he do that? Verse 8. Verse 8. They said, we dreamed a dream. And he said, well, tell me what the dreams are. He showed an interest in them. Number five. Always point to the Lord. Never make anything of yourself. And that is verse 8. He said, I'm nothing special. I'm a nothing and nobody from nowhere. But the God I serve has all the answers to any questions. And then at number six, whether it's good or bad, tell the truth. That's verse 13, verse 18, and verse 19. Tell the truth. Potiphar and other prisoners and prison workers heard of Joseph's interpretation. And he told both the butler and the baker the truth. It is our duty, brothers and sisters, to tell men and women and boys and girls of their impending doom if they do not come to the Lord Jesus Christ. If they don't come to Christ, they're going to be in trouble with God. And Joseph told this man the truth about his future. He said, you don't have, you, I hope you have some insurance because you're not going to be around very long. hope you have a good insurance policy. Because in a few days, the Pharaoh is going to come and get you, and he's going to execute you. He told them the truth. Now, I want you to consider in the last place today, the grace and the mercy of the Lord in all of this. Number one, obviously, he was merciful to Joseph. We saw in chapter 39, verses 20 through 23, that he gave Joseph favor with men. Then we see in chapter 40, verses 1, 2, and 3, that he favored Joseph providentially. 
He had him put in the king's prison. He had him put in a certain section of the king's prison. He put the butler and the baker in the same section while he was there. He gave them dreams, and he gave Joseph the interpretation. So he was merciful to Joseph. Secondly, he was merciful to the baker and the butler. Both of these men were given advanced information about their future. Both of them were given an interpreter. You know, Job says that an interpreter from God is one among a thousand. Read it. It's in Job chapter 33, verses 23 and 24. There aren't many of them. The baker was given six days. The one that was executed, he was given six days. He was given three days to see the power of God. And he was, because he saw that the other interpretation of his friend came true, and he was given three days to prepare for his own death. He could have been taken out without warning, but God was merciful to him and gave him somebody that told him, you're going to be gone in three days, and gave him the proof that that interpretation was good by making the interpretation for the cupbearer to come, to come true. We need to learn, according to verse 23, that our hope must be only in the Lord. Look at verse 23. It says, Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. How many times do we tell people, I'll be praying for you, and about five minutes later we've forgotten all about it, we never mentioned the name. I realized that I was doing that, so I started me a prayer list. A prayer list. And I write down the names of people on a sheet of paper, and every single day in the morning, I pray for them. Every single day, I call their name before the Lord. I ask the Lord to save them all. I ask the Lord to sanctify them all. And I ask the Lord to heal them all if they are suffering from sickness or from disease. I would encourage you to do the same thing. Make your list so you're not made out to be an untruthful person. You say, I'll be praying for you. A lot of times when people ask me that on the telephone, as soon as I hang up, I pray for them right then so I don't forget to pray for them. Write down their names. Write down what their problems are. Write down what their requests are and pray for them as you tell them you will do. And I'll tell you this, you learn this from verse 23 when it says he forgot Joseph, you learn this. There's one to whom you can tell all your troubles and he will not forget you. And that is the Lord. All of us forget each other. We all forget things. We are prone to forget. Our minds are prone to wonder. Today, probably, we should have more leisure time than ever before. But I find that people are busier today than they've ever been. You can't get folks together to do anything. Too busy. Got too much going on. That's, it, that's the way it was in the days of, of the flood. Said they were busy doing business. They were busy marrying and giving in marriage. They were busy opening businesses, running business. Running here and running there. Daniel says in the last days that knowledge shall be increased and many shall run to and fro. And boy, if that's not a description of 2022, I have never heard it in my life. We've gone from the horse and buggy to the Mars to the moon, and yet we don't have time anymore. They told us when they invented these computers, it was going to save you a lot of time. 
Man, I could, I could get a prescription 15, 25 years ago a lot faster than I can now. They got to have everything from my blood type to my fingerprint before I get anything today. So all of these things are coming on us. And so I encourage you, if you have children, listen now, you need to take this seriously. If you have children, whether they're 5 or 50, and they're lost, you need to pray for them. You need to pray for them, and you need to witness to them. You moms and dads are going to be the only ones that can give your children a witness about the Lord Jesus Christ. And if they stop coming around you because they say, well, mom, every time you say something, or dad, every time you say something, you talk to me about the Lord, you tell them, yes, sir, you got a a never-dying soul, and I'm concerned about you, and I'm praying for you, and I want you to let you know that. I'm not going to hide that in a bushel. You need to do that for your children. Even if they know the Lord or say they know the Lord, you need to pray for them. Well, the Lord's way is the wisest way. This man forgot Joseph, but the Lord didn't forget him. Joseph was prepared for his life's work of being governor through hardships. So in other words, what was happening to Joseph was not hard luck, but it was divine providence. And I've learned that the Lord always sends his servants to school before sending them on their mission. No chastening for the moment is pleasant, but it will yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who are exercised by it. Moses spent 40 years in Egypt, then 40 years in the wilderness, He was 80 years old before the Lord said, I think I can use you for something. Paul spent three years in the desert of Arabia. Our Lord, our Savior, spent 30 years in here as a man training in this world before embarking on his divine ministry at the age of 30. So remember, number one, remember that our hope is only in the Lord. He's preparing us for our heavenly home. Secondly, remember that the Lord's timing is perfect. When Joseph was taken from home and when he was sold into slavery by his brothers, everything seemed to be against him. But it was the divine, perfect plan of God. And I've already said this a couple of times. I'm going to say it again. There's a purpose for everything that's under the sun. The Lord's grace This is the third point. The Lord's grace, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, the Lord's grace is sufficient. The Lord sustained Joseph every step of the way. It was the Apostle Paul who said, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. That is found in 2 Corinthians 12, 10. It was the Apostle Paul who said, I have learned that in whatever state I am in to be content. It was the Apostle Paul who said, I have learned to glory in my infirmities. Joseph was able to enter into the plight of others instead of complaining about his own. And in doing so, he won the victory. Here's what the Bible says. James chapter 1 verse 4. Let patience have her perfect work that you may be thoroughly matured and entire, and lack nothing. Here's what the Bible says, Hebrews 10, 36. 
you have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. What has he promised us? He has promised us home in heaven with him. He's promised us eternal life. So where are we now? We need patience to live our lives according to the will of God and trusting him. And the secret of waiting for the Lord is waiting on the Lord. And this way, through constant prayer and faithful obedience, we'll be ready when he calls. We ought to be like the servants of David. The servants of David said to him, Thy servants are ready to do whatsoever my Lord the King shall appoint. Thy servants are ready to do whatsoever my Lord the King appoints. Where do we stand? Are we ready? Are we ready to serve the Lord? May the Lord add his blessings on the teaching of his word. Let's stand together. Let us pray. Our Father, we call upon you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You tell us in your word that you sent your Son into the world, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We are aware that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We are aware that we are in a time of war, that this is not a time of peace. As long as the Prince of Peace is rejected, there can be no peace on earth. We realize, Father, that you have called us to a knowledge of your will through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray for every soul who watches by the internet and for every soul who attends these worship services that you will give us the patience and the faith and the kindness and the grace that was, is displayed and taught to us through thy servant Joseph. Oh, how patient he was in all of his sufferings to wait upon the will of the Lord. Father, I pray that you'll teach us that this is not about us. This is about you. This is about your son. This is about your glory. It is not about our will. It is about your will. We can say thy will be done in earth, in our lives, as it is done in heaven. I pray, Father, that in the days that are coming on the earth, you will help us to be faithful, to be consistent, always looking unto the Lord, waiting upon him, seeking to glorify him, and seeking to do his will. And now I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you will bless us as we part, working in us that which is well-pleasing in your sight. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we ask it, and for his sake we pray. Amen. Thank you, and you're dismissed. Amen.